You already know the ending to this story. You're going to change it. Yeah, baby! Please open your eyes. Take this. Remember who you answer to. What is your name? This is where it kind of goes off the deep end. Welcome to Movie Land with CJ Johnson on ABC Local Radio, digital and online. Hello and welcome to Movie Land. I'm CJ Johnson. Thank you for joining me. Have you watched my web TV show Watch This yet? You should. You can find it on the internet by going to skippy.tv. S-K-I-P-I dot TV. You'll find sort of a visual version of Movie Land, but slightly different. This is taken from a recent Watch This episode where Jim Flanagan and I discussed in great detail... Alien Covenant and its place among the amazing career of director Sir Ridley Scott. So please enjoy. What happened here? For my money, and just to put you in context, if you'd only ever made the Apple 1984 advertisement, your place in history would kind of be assured. If you'd only made Alien, if you'd only made Blade Runner, if you'd only made Gladiator, if you'd only made Thelma and Louise. But what about if you've made all of these and 20 other feature films? He's made 24 theatrically released cinematic feature films. He has produced 122 things. That's how many producer credits he's got on IMDb. As I said, he's 80, he's a knight, and he's released Alien Covenant for us to enjoy. Jim's seen it, I've seen it, we're going to talk about it, and Sir Ridley. Hi, Jim. Hey, CJ, how you doing? So Alien Covenant is, I don't know what number it is if you include all the Alien versus Predator movies, but it's the third Alien film that Ridley Scott has directed. He directed Alien in 1979. He directed Alien Prometheus in 2012, five years ago now, and now he comes back with Alien Covenant. I'll let you go first about your opinion of Alien Covenant, but I will set it up by just saying that what it feels to me like he did... Mm -hmm in 2012 with Alien Prometheus was he took this franchise, he took this universe that had gotten out of his control and become a B-grade thing Mm -hmm. with Aliens versus Predators movies and wrenched it back for himself and put it back into a sort of A-list, art house, proper movie thing. Yeah, and I think we we need to start the conversation by framing Ridley Scott's career a bit. Okay. And I, and I, and I agree. Um, and I was hugely excited pre the release of Prometheus because of those reasons. It was very much Ridley regaining control of his baby that he created in 1979. Yeah. And I'm a massive Ridley Scott fan. I think he's one of the absolute preeminent visual cinema stylists of the last 50 years. Yeah, he's not only he's not only one of the greatest, but he's one of the influencers. Yeah, he absolutely... Like, modern film looks like it does today yes. partly because of him. And I think when he's gone, we'll realise that a lot more. And I think in particular, and I think this is important to frame a discussion about this film as well, I really, I'm a really, really big fan. I don't think he's made a great film in about 25 years. Um, pre, pre, pre this, this, this film, and we'll talk about that in a second. And I, I was, I, I can't disagree I, more. I was personally re- hugely disappointed with Prometheus. I thought it was a real nothing film. I thought it looked and sounded a million bucks, like everything that he touches and produces. 
I just thought it was a bit of a non-entity of a film in itself. And I guess Me too, a lot because I got confused by it. Well, yeah, yeah. And 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 I, I guess the lo a lot of the the pre-release chatter about this film was that he he'd, he'd potentially realised that he'd 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 gotten a bit caught up in in the sort of self-importance of the mythology and the backstory of the film, and that this was more a sort of return to Ridley Scott basics and the Alien basics, and the trailers certainly suggested this was a much more scaled back, pure alien sci-fi horror piece. Which like is the what first alien one, is. like exactly. aliens is... in spooky corners jumping yes. out and killing people. With real characters as well, because part of, the, part of the revolutionary thing about the first Alien film was that contrary to all of the science fiction being made at the, at the time, which were these sort of larger than life kind of space opera swashbuckling films, this was this... You know, and he's, he talks about how lucky he got when when he lined up with, up HR Geiger to do the design. This was yeah. this beautifully designed, largely sort of naturalistic film about truck drivers in space yeah. with this terrifyingly real, visceral monster. No one had done anything like that before, and so a lot, I think a lot of the chatter before this film was that he was moving away from the kind of Prometheus human origin stories backstory and and we can talk about that I, I I have sort of issues with that and that this was going to be more of a scaled down hardcore sci-fi horror actioner well if that's what the chatter was and if that's what the trailers because I don't watch trailers anymore but if that's what the trailers implied then he fooled us all because but he fooled us all partly because that is what the first 30 minutes is mm. and that is what the last 30 minutes is yeah. the first act and the last act are that they are Highly visually and orally amazing, scary, creepy action set pieces that are similar to kind of mostly like 70% Alien, the original, mm, and 30% yeah. Aliens. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. the long second act, which I would suggest if the film is two hours, I would suggest yeah. it's an hour of the film, the mm. long second act yeah. is Prometheus 2. It yeah. answers Prometheus. It's meditative, it's slow, it's dialogue, it's... Mythological and world building. It's pretty action heavy as well, though. Once it once there is it action gets in it, going and there's on the, certainly the like you know violence and killing. Oh, absolutely! At I mean, every ten minutes in this yeah, film, yeah, it's 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 really graphic. Okay, so here's so here's a question. So so if that was the backstory for this, do you think now post Alien Covenant, he's made a really really good film again? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and not only that. Because I, I agree with you, Prometheus was just mind-bogglingly good-looking and great-sounding with good acting as well, really good acting. Numa Rapace yep. and, you know, yep. and Michael Fassbender, of course, joining yep. the franchise and sort of taking it over. But it baffled me, you know, and especially because of that prologue with the translucent, yeah. beefy white dudes mm. and the water and the... Yep. I just really had no idea what the fuck was going on. And what I love about this film is... I find that middle section to be so clear of this mm. new film. It answers all of my questions. I find that he really has taken his time to make it super clear without yeah. making it stupid. Yeah. And it makes me want to go see Prometheus again because it actually, to me, in retrospect, it makes Prometheus work. It's almost like Prometheus was like, okay, I know you don't understand, but just wait five years because yeah. you will. But and that's what he's done with this. He has sort of auto-corrected or self-corrected. I agree with that, but that's also my biggest problem with this film. I, I personally don't feel... I, I'm still of the opinion that he hasn't made a really, really good film in 25 years. I enjoyed this, yeah. but A, I found far too much of it 
um, derivative of especially the first two Alien films. All of the great set pieces in this are largely reproducing a, a kind of classic hits package. He does do a lot of very self consciously often, yeah. and that's fun if you if you know the backstory and if you're really really familiar with the films, and that's fun in and itself. But just it's it, not nearly as innovative and original. But my bigger problem with this is that I sometimes think not knowing all of the backstory of a story is more interesting. And, and having some gaps in the story and some of that backstory being an, an unexplained enigma is actually more interesting when everything is revealed. And when everything is revealed in this, and, and this is the film where the origins of the alien, of the xenomorph, is properly revealed. Yeah. How they came about, who was responsible for engineering it, I, I didn't find the reveal in and of itself all that interesting. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with you there. I did not ever, I've never in my life said, how did the aliens come into being? Yeah. You know, I love the movie Alien. Yeah. I would suggest it's one of the films I have seen the most in my entire life. Like, I've easily seen it, you know, over ten times. Yeah. Easily. And I never once was like, wonder how they came into being. I just yeah. accepted the fact that there were these big aliens. Well, and it's actually really intriguing the way that, that their backstory is sort of elliptically presented in the first two films. They're this perfect organism that is yeah. on this distant planet. That's what Someone Ash gets, calls them yeah. in the first one, yeah. Yeah, and it's a reference to um, the way that the, that the the Wayland Corporation refers to them throughout the first three films and the David yeah. Fincher one as well, which is an underrated film, I think, Alien I 3. I haven't seen I, that one. I, I don't mind Alien 3. I think it was given a bit of a, bit of a tough I quite time. liked Alien 4, the swimming the, Alien The Gene one. one. Yeah, 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 yeah that's, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, that's different. Um, the Dolphin Alien one. But, and, look, and the other thing, is, I, I'm with you, Alien... As a film, is I think the film that has scared the freaking pants off me more than anything yeah. else I've ever seen in my life. When I first saw that as about a 13-year-old, I was terrified for weeks. Yeah. It's perfect. And it is. I think it's it, a yeah, perfect I, film in every... There's not a second of that film that is wrong. I agree. And w again, one of my problems with, with this film is that as, as beautifully made as it is, it's not scary. No, it's, it's not scary. It's graphic. I agree. It's not scary. And, yeah. and I think... As soon as the action really gets going on the on the planet in the in the sort of in the, and especially in the final reel, it feels a little bit rushed to me. There are a lot of references to the first two films and a lot of references to the life cycle of the alien, uh, and it's it's quite relentless. And there's a lot of alien human action. None of it is. There's none of those beautiful slow tension builds that you get in the the original or the James Cameron sequel. There's none of that meticulous craft in this film, really, for me. There's a lot of really great filmmaking and the sequencing and the, and the editing is beautiful, as is. But I kind of get the feeling sometimes that Ridley Scott can produce a film like this in his sleep. Right. You know, standing on his head. I disagree that there's not... I mean, I think it's I think it's amazingly crafted. Once again, I think yep. that's one of the things he can do as a director is make yep. films that look and sound like nobody else. That they're just yeah, sort of, I, I, they're, I completely they're perfectly agree. polished, yep. and yet they also have ideas. They're not yep. you know just action yep. crazy pieces. That's why he is not Jerry Bruckheimer or yes. or Michael Bay or any of those. And yet he they all come in his wake. Yep. But I think you've got to get down to the thing of like, just because this isn't the film that you wanted 
doesn't mean that it's not a good film because he is obviously he has diverged from what you wanted. You know, he because what he has decided to make mm. is a grand universe, a grand mythology, and not worry so much. So I think he sort of like threw in the first the first act and the third act yeah. for maybe to sell a film, maybe to get money, maybe yeah. to you know maybe for those trailers. But what he was really interested is the mythology, the world building. So. If that's not what you want, then this isn't the film for you. I actually found, bizarrely enough, mm. that the middle hour of this film, all of that stuff, that was my favourite part of this film. Yeah, OK. All right. Yeah, look, look I, I didn't... Which miss... is mainly Michael Fassbender yeah, and being he's... sneaky and in a very cool way. And he's great in this, actually. Yeah. He's and great. In a, in, a, in a way that none of the other characters are really great. Yeah. And, and there are some really good... Um, actors in this doing nothing, and yeah. I kept on waiting for Danny McBride to say something funny in this film, and it just—it never happens. He has this frustratingly straight role that he that he sort of shackled with for the he, entire running time. Here comes our first big spoiler. If you don't want a spoiler, turn off now. The two that survive are the one on the poster, of course, Catherine yeah. Waterston, and you yeah. know you see her, you see the poster, you see her, you know, then you see the poster and it's her. You're like, well, she must make it in the third act. But the other one that survives, besides something else, besides Michael Fassbender, is Danny McBride, mm. and that threw me for a loop yeah. because I just do not think. He's a good enough actor for that. Like if that, had, you know, that's the John C. Riley role, and I kept thinking if that was John C. Riley, that would be so much better. I really like Danny McBride, but just not in this this kind of role. He looks really uncomfortable. He did. And he he looks on screen. He can be such a genuinely funny performer in television and film. Yeah. He he looks frustrated and like yeah. he wants to say something wacky and funny yeah. and, and subversive and he's just never allowed to. Yeah. But look, what you're, what you're saying earlier, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily wanted a certain kind of film with this. It was just, a certain kind of film was was suggested early on and I didn't I wasn't really interested whether or not that was delivered. I just ultimately felt that this was uh, again, uh, a really well made Ridley Scott vehicle that had an, that ultimately has a an, a an uncomfortable combination of sort of by the numbers, well-made quality alien action, and this, I think, quite pretentious <laughs> Prometheus-esque desire to force onto the alien franchise this big philosophical search for the origins of mankind. And the pretentiousness thing re really bugs me, both in this and Prometheus. And, you know, you even look at the, the titles, you know, Prometheus was called Prometheus. This was and called Alien Covenant. And the running title of this for a long time was Paradise Lost. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of half expecting the next one's going to be called, you know, Xeno, the last temptation of the xenomorph or, or something, you know. It's, and it's, what's totally funny about that is that both Prometheus and Covenant are just the name of ships. Yes. They're both just simply yeah. the name of yeah. ships. So, so, and yet they sound like, I'm like, Covenant, what does that even mean? Covenant, what? what? And it's just the name of a ship. Yeah. I did ask myself, why is he doing this? Mm. He is 80. Why yeah. is he doing this? And the only explanation I can have, I can really come to, is that he was pissed off that the <laughs> Alien movies yeah. got, you know, got taken over by Dumb. big business and became Alien versus Predator movies. Yeah. And he literally was like, Alien is one of my crowning achievements. And not only that, it's a pride and joy of mine. I am yeah. going to wrench it back and make it Ridley Scott. And I think what defines Ridley Scott films, and let's sort of move on to him maybe, yeah. is that they have always been, since the very beginning, even The Duelists, his mm. first film, yeah. and it's certainly Alien and Blade Runner, they've always been big, beautiful, mass market mainstream films that are also filled with an art house sensibility yep. because they they have all the sheen and all the action but they also have ideas. Yeah, and I think the ideas is 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 a really important um, distinction of Ridley Scott as a sort of popular 
filmmaker. Yeah. And, and that's why I don't particularly like anything he's done a lot. I see everything he does. I enjoy yeah. most of what he does, a few obvious exceptions, but yeah. I don't really think he's got the balance right between those, between the, the, the visual stylistic approach and the ideas in about 30 years. So you're suggesting about me. 30 years that he hasn't yeah. made a good film. Even if, even Gladiator, I, I think, is a, is a perfectly functional, you know, high-class piece of, of popcorn cinema that is, that is pretty redundant ideas-wise. I, I was always surprised by how well-received that, that film is, and to me it's a mishmash of lots of fantastic sword and sandal films over the last sort of 60, 70 years, and it's great fun, and, and, and you know, Russ is doing his Russ thing. But it's pretty impoverished on the ideas front. In a way that a film like Blade Runner or Alien or Thelma and Louise yeah. just isn't. There are ideas running through every, film, every frame of those films. I agree. I was amazed when Gladiator became what it became. I mean, I was I'm convinced it was going to make money. It became a cultural phenomenon. But it became a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. I was amazed that it won Best Picture. I was amazed yeah. that I mean, Russell won Best Actor. I was yeah, like, he's what? ridiculous in I, it. Did I take mushrooms yeah. earlier? You know, yeah. it, it yeah. so blew me away that that yeah. happened to that film. Yeah. But come on, what about Black Hawk Down? Yeah, Black Hawk, Black Hawk Down is a really fascinating film. Um, it's, it's, it's politically uncomfortable. Um, and and neutral in a in a very very strange way and so um, well made. Well, well, yeah, and you know we, when we were we were talking about um, Ben Ben Wheatley the other week. I mean, if you yeah. if you talk about the cinema as one continuous action piece, yeah. that that film is at the top of the pile. Yeah, you know? it's I mean, just soldiers in. In, Somalia. In Somalia, yep. in a city, and it's just Mogadishu. urban fighting, Mogadishu, and it's just urban fighting in for Mogadishu for, for most of the movie yeah. with some, you know, some setup and some and some come down at either end. And it is just the most visceral, tense action movie ever made. And I remember. I and remember. the stakes are so high because you like the characters. He sets them up really well. Yeah, and I remember watching that film and thinking, how on earth do you storyboard this shit? I know. You I know? know, like from, from start to finish. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a fascinating film. I know that some people had issues with the politics, but um, regardless, regardless of that, as a piece of filmmaking, uh, it's, it's, um, it's pretty endlessly fascinating, I think. Okay, one for people that they might have seen much more recently yep. than that. How can you deny that The Martian is a good film? The Martian is such a good time at the cinema. Yeah, the Martian. It's yeah. fun, it's big, it's got a great central performance, it's full of ideas, it's pro-science, <laughs> looks great, and I just... I, I, I loved it. I loved. I wanted to get that guy back yeah, from I Mars. I enjoy. I enjoy the Martian. I, I think the Martian is a is a pretty. Yeah, I you and, I, and you and I talked about this last year. It's a it's a good, straightforward, populist sci-fi yeah. actioner, I guess. It is I, him at his most mainstream. Yeah, yeah. But and, but and I think this is a this is a and this is an issue with this film as well. I actually think visually he's not quite the force that he that he once was as well. I was surprised by how flat. The Martian was visually, and yeah. th this is far less interesting visually than Prometheus. I think it's its predecessor. Yeah, it's, Prometheus it's still... really went there with the visuals. Yeah, yeah. But He's... what I like about the visuals of this is that it's the ships look like models rather than CGI, and yet they don't look like models. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So it yeah. doesn't look like 1977 Star Wars, where yeah. you can now tell that it's models. But it doesn't look like CGI. Somehow he's found this yeah, sweet I spot. Yeah, and so the, they and they and the creature harken back to Alien. But the creature in Alien was animatronics. It was yeah. like a robot. It was a puppet essentially, yeah. or a and, guy in a suit towards the end, or a guy well. in a suit. Yeah. And this is CGI, and yet 
it feels like the first one, mm. which to me is astonishing. Yeah, and I think something else that he possibly gets into, I, I would argue, a slightly bad habit with this, although it's fun, is that similar to the, the post-Abram Star Wars films, he's referencing his own visuals and use yeah, of music does. continuously yeah, in this. Does. And a lot of the architecture in the ship, you know, for historical reasons as well in the chronology of the, of the films, is referencing the interiors of the spaceships and Alien and Aliens. The, the score is very heavy in references yeah. to the really excellent um, original Alien score, and you know even the title sequences, yeah. and and I just think as a filmmaker you can get too bogged down in that. Well, and, he certainly and... name checks all the greatest hits of Alien. I mean, yeah. he has a chest burst, yeah. he has a face hugger. Spoiler, yeah. spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Yeah. And he even starts the film with them waking up, albeit in a very different way. Yeah. So when I must say, when I did start it, when the film started, I thought, oh my god, has he actually done a Force Awakens? Is mm. he actually <laughs> remaking his own movie? Yeah. Or, well, in this case, his own movie as opposed yeah. to Jack. But is he actually remaking the original? And then it didn't, obviously. But I mean, I don't. You think that's a bit of a problem sometimes? And it's clear from the opening use of the letters in the title sequence that this is this is a film that is constantly self-referencing its own place in cinema history in every conceivable way, visually, thematically, musically. And sometimes yeah. I just, I just, and, and that's fun and, and that's enjoyable as an audience member or as a film geek who, you know, really knows the, the mythology and the, and the previous films. But it just yeah. kind of, it just kind of straitjackets filmmakers and stops them, I think, sometimes from do, trying to do something a little bit more interesting with the source material. Well, examining his motives, and it is hard to examine the motives of an 80-year-old Knight, who is one of the most <laughs> successful and influential artists in the history of the world, it's almost like because he's letting someone else direct the Blade yeah. Runner sequel, mm. and I'm sure he was offered it first, yeah. um, he's still very active, he's still powerful, it's almost like he's decided that if he has to choose his legacy, because he probably only has 20 years left on this earth, and let's hope he has 20, yeah. he chose Alien over Blade Runner. Yeah, he's like, I this is what I'm going to make right. my legacy. Although, don't you think I find the choice of director for the Blade Runner sequel really, really interesting because I think that is a filmmaker. I'm not a fan of Denis Villeneuve. But, but regardless, and I, I have kind of, I'm sort of largely agnostic as well, but, but he is quite a similar filmmaker to Ridley Scott in that he has yeah. this incredibly distinctive visual yeah. and cinematic approach and that often his content lags a little bit behind, a bit like Ridley totally. Scott over the last 30 yep. years. A, 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 a rival kind of looked like Prometheus. Yeah. Like I, it kind of borrowed the colour palette yeah. of Prometheus. And it borrows the colour palette from, from Fury Road as well. The, well, again, the, the, yeah, short, yeah. the preview does anyway. Yeah, Denny Villeneuve obviously follows in the footsteps of Ridley Scott and yeah. George Miller. I mean, yeah. obviously. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, he, yeah. I, he yeah. would put his hand up and say, yeah. 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 So, so, come on, what about uh, some others that I must argue against? I mean, I did okay, not... come on, hit me. Okay. There the are... Counselor was the worst film ever made. So the that, oh my God, that was, that was a mess. Look, there, I think if you look, there but what are about a lot American of, Gangster? There, oh, see, look, and I was about to name that. There are just far too many rote, middling, by the numbers, Ridley Scott action is action is in there. He does body, turn about. Body of body of lies. I loved Body of Lies. It's fine. American Gangster. American Gangster. Um, that, I liked nothing. Robin Hood. 
prequel. Yeah, what on I, earth yes, was there are some about? there are some jobs in there. King, Kingdom of Heaven, Orlando Bloom's last film in a in a lead <laughs> role. I think it has killed yeah. his career. Kingdom of oh. Heaven, obviously. Exodus, Gods and Kings, obviously. Exodus. The Counselor, obviously. Wow. Exodus, and Gods of, of course, we yeah. haven't even mentioned yeah. a good year. I was going to say, which yes. was literally, wow. literally, they even fessed up this to is, it. This it was literally Russell Crowe Crow and Ridley Scott admitting that they had such a good time making Gladiator <laughs> together, and they both wanted to spend a summer in. France together, so they made a good year to basically spend a summer in not, France drinking wine together. It's not a good time. It's two hours of your life <laughs> you will never get back, ever. I thought Matchstick Man was interesting. Yeah, actually, and that's a really unusual, yeah, small, small little Small scale. Yeah, I like, actually, you know what, that's, that's probably the film, if I'm honest, I have liked the most that he's made. Possibly this, is, this, this would be the next one. It's, it's, it's not an earth-shakingly good film, but it's a, it's a well-crafted interesting film in the context of most of what he's done over the last years. But look, here's the other thing about Ridley Scott, I think. So he's, he's 80 now, right? I, I see Ridley Scott as one of the sort of last great professionals. And we talked about yeah. it a little bit again when we are talking about yeah. Ben Wheatley. The man just likes to work in that kind of... I know he's British, but in that kind of classical Hollywood... Um, and people talk about Clint Eastwood being another of the last professionals. You know, Tarantino and most of the current film generation make about a film every four or five years. People like Eastwood and, and Scott are kind of f the last of that sort of John Ford generation of people who are uncomfortable being referred to as an artist. They, they see themselves as, as craftsmen um, and they just like working. And I'm not mm. saying they're not artists. I'm just saying that they have a very old school old Hollywood big studio disciplined approach to work. Yeah. And that is churned it out. And yeah. I really I really admire that. Yeah. You know? I mean really uh, to me at the end of the it's day, it's not even Eastwood, it's it's Spielberg and and Sir Ridley that are in on the same in the same but glove. Spiel but because they both can churn them out, you know, if Spielberg famously does like two every three years. Yeah. They both yeah, that's true. get yeah. Oscar nominations. Yeah. They both do big mass market yeah. movies that are full of ideas. Yeah. And they just know how to use special effects and sound and post-production yeah, in a way that other people don't. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In, a, in a way that other, um, I guess, populist yeah. filmmakers of the later 20th century generation yeah. just, just don't. Yeah, no, and I, they've I influenced each agree. other. Yes. Along I, the way, yep. every step of the and way. And regardless of what you say about Spielberg, he's another... Um, visual stylist that I think when he's yeah. gone we will we will miss more possibly than yeah. than we realize. Yeah, and they're both of their bodies of works are inconsistent and to an extent that's how it should be. Yeah. You know, you just you work on your craft and you produce and take it or leave it. They don't like being at home. Yeah. They go really. from set to set, you know. <laughs> really set Scott, to pre-production to set, you know, like yeah, he's, he's already in in pre-production for his Battle of Britain I film know. which Battle of Britain could could be fun. I'll see it. Ridley Scott and Spitfires, what's, what's not to like? Now let's talk, once again, spoiler, 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 let's talk about this elephant in the room, the actual lead in terms of screen time of this mm. movie, even though the lead, the protagonist, is Catherine Waterston's character. Yeah. The person with the most screen time by far is Michael Fassbender, partly because he plays two roles. The entire second act of the movie, which, as we've said, is very long, is basically 
mostly him and other people come into his orbit. A lot of it is scenes between him and himself, between David yeah. and Walter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, between androids. him and himself. Yeah. And it's a remarkable performance because both of them are androids or cyborgs or whatever they're called in this universe. Yeah. Both of them have that straight posture and that very robotic thing. And yet he manages to subtly distinct, make them both distinctive. And it's incredible how he does that. It's just amazing. Yeah, and I think it's, it's a really... Because you can always tell which one's which. It's a really, really good thing that Fassbender is in this film with these two roles because, because personally I found the rest of the cast batshit boring and anodyne yeah. to, a, to a T in totally. terms of the characters. Yeah. He's Catherine Waterston, great. who decided that she was interesting? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 and, and clearly he's trying to do this Ripley Sigourney everything and it just doesn't work for Actually, me. Actually, I quite liked the Billy crude up guy who yeah. had to become the captain. He's quite a sad character. Very sad. Like, mm. very, very different to the Tom Skerritt. Yeah. Yes. Even though facially yeah. facially looks a little yeah. like Tom Skerritt in Alien, but very different because Tom Skerritt knew what he had to do, whereas yeah. this guy well, is a Christian and always questioning his faith. Or he's a religious person And he's anyway. rubbish as well. And again, yeah, yeah. in contrast to He's terrible to that, at his yeah. job. <laughs> in contrast to the Tom Skerritt um, captain, who, yeah. who is, who's a good, interesting captain and clearly yeah. a very capable leader, the Billy Crudup character is hopeless yeah, yeah, yeah. and quite a Forlorn, tragic. Yeah, yeah he, I don't mind Billy Crudup yeah. generally. He's the second yeah. most interesting of, of the yeah. of the humans, but it, I think. But it's, yeah, it's Fassbender's film. Chews through the scenes that yeah. he's, he's with, you know, and his accent work is is a hoot. And his accent work is a hoot because one of them's got an American accent, one of them's got a British accent. At the beginning, yeah. You, you, it's revealed that Walter is created by Guy Pearce, and Guy Pearce. As far yeah. as I could tell, just has his normal Australian accent because, of course, no, he, he has that ridiculous kind of faux English accent again. At the was beginning. it? Yeah, it's, I it's couldn't. Bit, I was. I couldn't quite tell. It's a. It's a bit silly. Although I did really like, and that's this. <laughs> it this is a shot, bit silly. It is a bit silly, and that is this shot. Although <laughs> it is, it's really, really over the top, and it's this very kind of exaggerated Kubrickian sequence that kind of frames the film. I did really enjoy. it. Oh, me and, too. I loved it because I just wanted to live in that house. Yeah, with that nothing. View. Nothing in the rest of the film quite lives up to the bonkersness of that yeah. opening sequence. I know it's and crazy. It does frame the rest of the action of the film yeah. as well. And are we to assume, spoiler alert, that Fassbender's Walter kills him at the end of that scene? It's suggested, it's isn't suggested, it? Yeah, yeah. Well, in the, uh, yeah. It's like, bring I, me some water, Walter. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Guy, you're in trouble. Yeah. Okay, finally, if you haven't left yet, this is a real big spoiler. This is the end of the film. Yeah, go on. Fassbender's bad robot, Walter, yeah. wins and kills all of the crew. And so what we're left with is the remaining colonists, about 1,996 of them, and evil Fassbender <laughs> heading off to colonise a new world. And a couple of facehugger embryos put away in the... And a couple of facehugger embryos. Put away in the yeah. freezer next to the ice creams. So yep. you're talking about a man who is now 80, so he must have been... Well, we know when he shot it, because he shot it in Sydney. So he was 79 when he shot it. He shot it last year. We're talking about a man who is 79 who literally ends his most recent franchise entry... On a cliffhanger. Well, and remember, he has publicly said... It's a cliffhanger. Said, absolutely, and he has publicly said over the last six months that he's going to do two, two more. more. He's got two more. Um, I hope which, he doesn't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> which worries me a little bit because I'm... Uh, well, you know, Denny Villeneuve, I suppose, if, gosh forbid, mm, Sir Ridley bites it, <laughs> yeah. I guess Denis Villeneuve will have well, it in his contract that he takes over. Let's, let's, let's hope that really goes on forever and gives us two more. But I'm, yeah. I'm a little bit worried I, about getting bored. 
with a continuation yeah. this of one this story. This one kind of this, ends it, doesn't it? Well, it wraps again, it up. look, and you know, we've been talking about this. Ultimately, this is a sort of greatest hits mashup yeah. of, of, of the, the better Alien And films. these are prequels too. Yes, so this one yes. actually does lead to yeah. Alien. Yeah, that's exactly right. You Although don't need still... another one in between. <sighs> I, you know, I, I could still see how he'd want to kind of flesh out and kind of puff up this, the story a bit, which I assume is what he's going to do, because he's, yeah. very, he's also very publicly said, no Alien 5, not happening. There's going to be nothing after the Gene Alien Resurrection. So he has committed right. to he do won't go, He won't leapfrog them all. Right. No, these are a continuation right. of the story in Alien Covenant. So there are still things, clearly, that he wants to tell us yeah. between the end of this and Tom Skerritt getting the distress call in that right. alien. Well, he's got about 1,997 colonists that he can kill off with yep. those two embryos. Yep. And ultimately, you know, at the end of the second film, it would be good because of the, like, godlike attributes, you know, the god lust yep. that Walter, the android, has. Yep. It would be good to see him, like, I don't know, fall into a volcano <laughs> or something. Well, like, Rid- like Ridley, like, like blow Ripley's... Blow up into a black hole. Well, Sig- Sigourney's... Oh, you haven't seen Alien 3. Can I spoil Alien 3 sure. for you on, on, uh, on sure. television? Right, so the, yeah. at the climax of Alien 3, Ripley swan dives into um, molten oh. steel lava. You're kidding. Yes, and mid-swan dive, a queen alien bursts out of her chest. She knows this in Brilliant. advance. That is the end and conclusion of the last official... Oh. Alien story. Right, so, so we, Walter so we've done has that to top that, which sounds like which the greatest death ever filmed. But look, what do you what do you think about this? This is this is, I guess, my my ultimate problem with this film. So Ridley Scott, once upon a time, nine seventy nine, made this small, incredible science fiction film called Alien. Yeah. Right, it was full of fan, these fantastic yeah. ideas. It had this beautiful, meticulous life cycle of the alien that he designed yeah. with H.R. Geiger. In effect, the best slasher movie ever. Absolutely, made. and H.R. Geiger was clearly a gift from God, and the combination of him and Ridley Scott created the Alien concept. Yep. It's a great film. Does it actually have the ideas to sustain this many films? Like by the end of this film, which again is largely just the <coughs> greatest hits compilation of what they've already done, I'm I'm really worried about how you yeah. prolong the interest for sure. another two films. No, there's no way that they had all this plotted out then. This is obviously retrofitting, just in the same way that George Lucas claims that he had nine written. He didn't have nine written. We know that now. He probably had big ideas, but but not even that. There's no way they thought that thing was going to go on like this. That was George Lucas was in the pub one night and thought putting episode four at the at the beginning of a film is a really interesting way to start a space opera, and and he worked from there. I'm sure that. I don't think George Lucas drinks. I think I think if he drinks, he drinks one glass of wine that costs like six hundred dollars a glass. He's too weird to drink. Yeah, I think he eats like Cheetos or, you know, like I think he's very like, you know, mass market American taste. We are way off subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll we'll wrap this up since we probably won't get to Sir Ridley again for a while. You can only take one to your desert island. Which Ridley do you take? It would be an absolute toss a coin between Blade Runner and Alien Bite. and, And I think I would go with Alien. I would go with Alien. Actually. I love them both. They're both crazy influential, but I just, I think Alien's perfect and I think Blade Runner is 1% out of 100 off I I agree. I'm very passionate about them both, but both. um, I think Alien as as an innovative piece of cinema history shades it. I need you back here right now. I need you. Okay, baby, just calm down, sweetheart. Calm down. Tell me to calm down. You're breaking up. All of this is to start our new life. 
Alien Covenant is out now in Australia and some other parts of the world, not opening in the United States for a week. Um, it's certainly a watch this from me. Yeah, just. I'm CJ Johnson, joined by Jim Flanagan. Take care. Thanks for listening to Movie Land. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CJ Movie Land. Read and subscribe for free to my written reviews at filmmafia.com.au. Watch my web TV series, Watch This, at Skippy TV. That's S K I P I dot TV. S K I P I dot TV. And make sure you see a movie at the cinema this weekend. Take care.